Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. the beginning of a new worship series called Practical Jesus, as you can see by our images here. And one of the things that richly blesses us in Scripture are the gifts, the, especially from Jesus, of things that we will have to spend time engaging, discerning, meditating upon. It will be a huge part of our spiritual journey to unpack and consider what Jesus is asking for us. And those are treasures. But there are also treasures in the scriptures and in our walk with Jesus where Jesus has practical things for us, things that we can hear, receive, and apply today. And this worship series is designed to share some of those things, things that Jesus has to say to all of us that we need to hear and we need to obey. And today we're going to be talking about our words, guarding your words. So everything from our call to worship, our gathering liturgy that you saw, talks about how you use your words. And that you can use words for hurt, you can use words to hinder. And then our scripture, our first scripture reading from Matthew talks about using your words to test the waters. You can use your words to extend your peace, and if your peace comes back, then you should abide there. Hospitality is expressed through the gift of word. And if it's not, then take your peace with you, kick the dust, and move on to the next town. There are opportunities for us to apply that in our lives now. This was not just something that Jesus spoke once and it has no meaning. I refuse to believe that anything that's in the scriptures was meant for a one-time thing and it has no application for us. Otherwise, we all have some really pretty gilded books that are meaningless. And I don't believe that that's true. Instead, I believe that Jesus does have things for us to apply to our lives, even in 2019. And today we're going to talk about that. But the first thing is that Jesus is talking about our words, and words are powerful, right? They're so powerful and so ingrained that a moment ago, you listened to the most well-known song in the world. Amazing Grace is the most well-known song in the world. It is sung on every continent, and people know it. And how many of you knew all the words in your head, right? You knew all the words in your head? If you didn't, it's okay. We still have time. But... It's important to recognize that words are embedded in who we are. How many times have you spoken words and you go, oh my gosh, my mother's coming out of my mouth. I am speaking my mother, right? Or I'm speaking my father or I'm speaking my grandparents. You can hear people, their tones, their personalities and words. There are words that have sacred meaning to us. We the people. There are words, four score. There are all kinds of words that we know, and because of those words, they invoke memories, they invoke history, they are powerful and profound, they bring us together, they can divide us. There are words that can set people free, there are words that can keep them bound up, and so we have to pay attention to our words. And God has made it very clear in Scripture that God holds word sacred. How sacred? The first story in Genesis 1 of creation, God speaks creation into being. God calls forth the land and the water. God brings forth the environment and then proceeds to populate it by the word, speaking into existence, not only all of the plants and the animals, but people, calling us forth that words can create from nothing. 
They can be so creative and inspiring that things that had never been fathomed before can be done, and God has shown us that this is true. If we continue through the scriptures and we get to the New Testament, we find in the preamble, that beautiful poetic piece of the gospel account of John, that God starts off by saying, in the beginning there was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That God identifies God's self as Word. That by mastering language, we have been given a gift to connect to our God. Now, most of us are verbal people, but there are even those who are nonverbal that have learned other systems of communication, words that are not spoken with the mouth, but words that are spoken with hands or through typing. People have come up with multitudes of ways to convey because of the power of the word and that we can connect. Our prayers, even unspoken prayers, are words that are sent up to God, received by God, and then God sends words and experiences back to us so that we may be connected and grow through the gift of prayer. Words are vital. And I'm a hyperverbal person, so I love words. I would never go on a silent retreat. I know myself, and I don't hate myself. I would never do that. They would kick me out because I would be like, hi, it's good to see you. And they'd be like, why are we all being quiet? I have things to say. And the problem is that I have a lot of things to say, and some of them don't need to be said. Right? How many times have you said something you said, I probably should have said that? Or maybe I should have said it differently. Or maybe there was another time. Or maybe it was my volume, my tone, my facial expression. There are plenty of times where we use words capriciously, or in Jesus' words, carelessly. We can use words and not recognize the power by which we speak them. And in American culture, we have this wonderful little verbal phenomenon called sarcasm. I have a PhD in this. And it's not always helpful. Sometimes it's not helpful. Sometimes I'll say something sarcastically, and I look at the face of the person I'm talking to, and I'm like, I was kidding. I didn't mean that literally. And then you have to translate it. This is especially not helpful when we are in a global church, and sarcasm is sometimes a uniquely American thing. And so when I'm with my, my uh, fellow church members and colleagues and clergy from around the world and we start getting snarky in Americanism, it's like, what is wrong with you people? And I'm like, no, no, we're kidding. And they're like, why would you say that? That's not funny. I'm like, well, it kind of was. But we want to be attentive to how we use our words because Jesus says, I'm paying attention. And that's not like, big brother, I'm paying attention to you. It's not a threat. It's not like, I am listening to every word and I'm writing down everything nasty that you say. And then on the day of resurrection, when all of humanity ever is standing in front of me, I'm going to read all the embarrassing things that you've said. We're going to be here for eternity. Literally. That's not what Jesus is saying. Instead, Jesus is saying, I listen to you. I pay attention to your words because your words are important. And not only am I paying attention to your words because Jesus is able to do that, to simultaneously hear all humankind speak, but Jesus is also capable of hearing how it is received. And that's where we get careless. How are people receiving what we say? Some of the best orators and best clergy I've ever known will start off a very crucial conversation. They will say something like this. I'm going to try to express what I'm thinking and feeling and what I've been praying about, and I recognize that my words may fail me. And so periodically I'm going to ask you 
if you're understanding what I'm saying, or have you tell me what you're hearing so that I can make sure that we understand each other, because I don't want you to think that I want to hurt you. I don't want you to think that I want my words to cause you pain and suffering and harm. I want my words to accurately reflect all that I am feeling and sensing and thinking internally, and I recognize that sometimes this gets in the way of that. And so help me to make sure that I am not hurting you, but that we are engaged in this conversation appropriately. Now, that kind of preamble takes some time, and most people just want to cut right to the chase and go, oh, well, you know, I wasn't trying to say that. That's not what I meant, but it's what you said. And if you said it, then somewhere you're thinking it. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about how we use our words. And in our day and age, it is so easy, right? It is so easy to put words out there. You can speak words real quickly. You can speak them all the way across the world by the telephone and by video chat. You can write them. You can type them. You can text them. You can put them out on the Internet. And in our day and age, gone are the days where you could unsend and the days when you could delete. Now, once things are out there, people have them. You cannot take your words back. A perfect example of this, if you were paying attention to our communications this past week, was that we were so excited to have the preschoolers able to come back in September to a renovated preschool building. We had done a lot of maintenance and work, and the trustees were working really hard over there to make sure that, one, the building was maintained, and two, that the children would have a clean, safe space to come back and grow and, and, and search for wisdom. So we put that out. Well, there was a little wording mishap in there, and it made it sound like the kids were already back. And then parents were like, my kid's not there. What's going on? I thought it was in September. And then we had to retract our words, more words to fix the words. And it wasn't because we were flippant or, you know, thinking, ooh, we'll cause some panic and anxiety, and then people will pray to Jesus. That's not what we were thinking. Instead, what we were thinking was, we're trying to do a good thing, and our words got in the way. So is carelessness just flippancy? Or sometimes carelessness is a failure to recognize before they are spoken or communicated that these words might cause confusion, pain. They might bring up bad memories. They might cause people to have anxiety. We are not here as Christianity to cause people pain and suffering. There's plenty of that without us. We are here to speak the words of truth and love we are here to remind people that they were created by God. They were created in the image of the divine. And how many times do we as Christians and disciples of Jesus Christ use our words to praise and sing the glory and offer of hallelujahs and recognition for the blessings that we have from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and with that same mouth turn around and curse and condemn people that were made in the image of that same God. We have to pay attention to our words. We need to be focused upon how our words are received. Words can set people free. If we go back to the book of Exodus, we remember that Moses was called into ministry by God. God called him through words coming out of a burning bush that was not consumed and said, I need you to go and speak my words to Pharaoh so that my people will worship me here on this mountain. And after a lot of going back and forth, and quite frankly, Moses saying, I just don't do it, send somebody else. God finally said, nope, it's you. And Moses went, and he had to convince people with words that he was supposed to be who he was. And God recognized that 
you also need somebody who can speak really well. So he sends Aaron and he gives them some ability to do some signs and wonders. But at the end of the day, it comes down to a conversation each and every time before a plague between Moses and Pharaoh. And Moses says, God says, let my people go. Free my people. And Pharaoh says, no, I'm not freeing your people. It's an opportunity for words to set free or words to bind. And in the end, God says, it doesn't matter what you say or what he says, I say my people shall go free. And 10 plagues later and countless suffering, the people, hundreds of thousands of Israelites were freed because God's word said it would be. And it wasn't that they were just abandoned then. The word became the means by which they would enter into the promised land. They gave their verbal agreement to a covenant. They agreed to be God's people and have God be their God so that their lives, the lives of their descendants and people they could not even fathom would be transformed and redeemed because of that first covenant at Mount Sinai that they spoke into being. So words are incredibly powerful. How many of us have been irreparably damaged by somebody's words? How many of us know that there are people that take vows, there are people who make promises, people who speak things to us, and they are lies, they are broken, they are set aside so easily. There are people who speak words of pain to us. Instead of seeing someone who is trying or someone who wants to be redeemed, somebody who yearns for transformation, they see someone who can never be accepted, someone who should be cut off, shunned, cast aside, And that is not the truth that Jesus Christ came to live, speak, die, and rise again to bring to us. His words were so powerful. Words were so powerful that that's how the Pharisees thought they would catch him. They came to continually catch him in verbal debate. He'll slip up. We'll get the wrong word. Unfortunately for them, there is one person in all of humanity that had perfect words, and that was Jesus. But most of us don't make the crucial mistake of waking up in the morning, looking in the mirror and going, Jesus. Instead, do we wake up and go, I have Jesus in here. I need to have Jesus here. If I'm going to be doing this or doing this or doing this today, Jesus needs to be here too. My words need to express Jesus Christ. Because I suspect where the text is silent is that not only can Jesus hear the words that we speak, but Jesus knows the words we don't speak. Jesus knows the words that we should speak. Jesus knows there are times when we should have spoken up, we should have spoken out, we should have invited, we should have welcomed, we should have sought reconciliation, and Jesus knows we didn't say those words. But here's also the good news, that there are some words, there are some feelings, some expressions, some anger, some angst, outrage. It could be about anything. It could be about a person, a relationship. It could be about a situation, an experience. It could be about politics. It could be news, whatever it is. And we have the need to express that. And verbal expression is very powerful and cathartic. And so we have that need to express it. We can express that to God. We don't need to express it to everybody that we know and people we don't know online. That's a tremendous gift. And in fact, there's actually a place for that in the church. It's called clergy confidentiality. I used to have a staff member that would come into my office every week. She would come into my office and she would shut the door and she would say, I'm invoking clergy confidentiality. And I would go, all right. And then she would tell me all the gossip that she had heard that week. That is not how that's supposed to work. That is not what the point of it is. 
But she recognized that she knew she needed to tell somebody. And she had to find a safe place to tell somebody. And so she knew that if she came into my office and poured it all out of my office, that I wouldn't tell because she had invoked clergy confidentiality. Inappropriately, but done. And so at the end, she would go, oh, my gosh, I feel so much better. And I would go, well, I don't. I don't want to know all that. Some things should just remain between you and God. And I didn't want to know all that, and now I have it. Because words can transfer energy. They can transfer emotion. You can share your pain with someone with your words. You can visit your pain on them with words. You can also share your peace with your words. You can edify and encourage someone with your words. You can help them set aside their anger and suffering with your words. Our words are weighty things. And if we pay attention to some of the words that Jesus spoke, the magnitude of them is mind-boggling. Jesus said, I so love the world. Imagine if Jesus had just said, I love you. Well, who are you? Me personally? Us? Who's you? Who gets to be in on that? Or I so love God's people. We could sit around all day and debate who are God's people and who's in on there. But with carefully chosen words, John 3.16 says that God so loved the world. Everyone. Everyone is in. The love is for us all. We also find that Jesus goes on to say things like, forgive them. They know not what they do. Speaking words of forgiveness and liberation. One of the most powerful things Jesus says over and over and over again is, go forth and sin no more. You have been forgiven. Are those the words that we use? Are our words reflecting our God, our Lord and Savior, our Messiah who came not just to save us from the world but from ourselves? Are we speaking Jesus' words more than we're speaking our own? Words are so powerful. And I'll tell you that one of the most impactful conversations I've ever had about words happened with my son when he was four. And he said a word, and I went, whoa, time out. We are not speaking that word. Where'd you get that word from? He said, well, I hear adults speak that word. I said, yeah. He said, sometimes I hear you speak that word. Yeah. So let's talk about that word. I realize that that's a fun word to say. It's got a lot of hard K sounds, and people like hard K sounds. They're very cathartic to say, especially when you're angry. And I said, so yeah, adults sometimes say that word. I said, that's an adult word. He said, well, when can I say that word? I said, when you're an adult. When you turn 18, you can say that word. I said, because adults have to bear the consequences of the words they speak. You can speak that word. You can use that word. You could throw that word around like candy. There are movies that do, songs that do. You can use that word all that you want. He goes, really? I said, yes. And he said, so when I'm 18, how many years is that? I said, 14 years. 14 years, the good Lord willing, the creek don't rise, and I don't kill you. 14 years. And he said, okay, so in 14 years, I can say that word to you. Yeah, you can say that word to me, and then you can pay for your own college. Try that. Because words mean something. And there's no way that I gestated you for nine months, took care of you for 18 more years, and then I'm going to let you turn around and say that word to me. That's not happening. You can say that word, and then God help you, literally. Right? Because words mean something. And those words are powerful. And we live in a culture right now that talks about redeeming words, or certain people can use words, and you can't use words, or we don't use that word anymore. And we're having debates about words and not focusing on the words that we do use. We're not focusing on the tone, the tenor, 
What is the face and the body saying when we say these words? Under what context do we say these words? Do we only speak these words once a year? Do we only speak these words when we're stuck face to face with people? Or do we seek people out to speak words? Do we make sure that we go to people and say, you're important to me. I recognize that you are being of sacred worth. I see God in you and I am thankful for your gifts in these places. I'm thankful that you are in my life. I see you impacting other people in a positive way, and I see God at work in you and through you. Or do we just wait and go, well, they know. Other people tell them. It's fine. God will tell them. Our words can change lives. And in a moment, we're going to watch some people that want to speak some sacred words. They're going to speak words of membership. They want to join the church. And they're going to pledge... They're going to give their assent to, not, to being a formal part of our church, but also the idea that they want to use their words to mark a new day. Words can be beginnings. Words can be endings. One of the most incredible gifts that I have as clergy is that because I officiate funerals, I often give the last words on a person's life. A human being that has ceased to exist as we will know it and I get to benedict their life with my words. And on one hand, you think, wow, that's a lot of pressure. I think that every time. But on the other hand, it's what a beautiful gift to use words to comfort, to inspire, to help people recognize that they are not the only ones mourning that loss, that other people mourn it, that God mourns it with them. We have a gift in our words. And when we are flippant with our words, when we are careless with our words, when we are verbose with our words, we aren't bringing honor and glory to God. God's word, while it seems rather massive, and there are over 10,000 distinct words in this book, while it seems massive, the biggest words in here are God, Christ, love, forgiveness, grace. Those are the words that should be on our lips. Those are the words that we should be reaching out to other people with. And if we lived our lives thinking, what if Jesus really is paying attention? Would Jesus be proud if I spoke these words? Would Jesus look at me as a Savior who is happy to have suffered and died on the cross for me if I spoke this to him? then perhaps our words would cease to be so human and start to reflect the divinity in which we were created to magnify. That's what we've been called to do. In a world where there are so many words that it becomes noise, so many words that people feel the need to mute, to turn off, to cut off, it's because we want to hear the right words. We want to hear the words that don't just resonate with our minds, the words that make us feel good in our hearts. We want to hear the words that imbue our spirits with the knowledge and the power of Jesus Christ. That's what we want. And if we want that, then we need to recognize that there are people who yearn and thirst for that outside of these doors. And the only way they're going to get it is when we speak that truth. And it's a heavy mantle. It's a big burden. And Jesus speaks those words too. That's why I don't send you alone. I send you with the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the comforter that God will send to you to equip you and teach you everything that you need to know. 
I send you out in pairs. I send you out as the body of Christ. You don't do this alone. And whenever two of you more gathered, I am there with you. I speak that truth. And he says in the Gospel of John, perhaps the most profound words ever uttered, the words that we use at every service of death and resurrection, my peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. Those are our words given to us by God Almighty in Emmanuel, God in human incarnation. And we get to receive those words. And now, are we willing to give them back to others who so desperately need to hear God's truth, love, and grace for them? May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.